All right. Welcome back to HR Talk with Ricky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another fantastic episode of HR Talk. I'm JC, ushering you back into a fantastic week that is kicking off with a day of love. We've got a very special episode for everyone here today, a internationally acclaimed podcast host we're going to be talking about coming up momentarily, whose uh, credentials and resume knows no bounds. But before that, please welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who's known as Silverback only due to the color of his hair, Ricky Baez. <laughs> what? <laughs> Silverback. Yeah, you're the big Puerto Rican silverback, right? That's what the friends call you, right? What are you doing tonight? I'm going to get Buffalo Wild Wings with the Puerto Rican silverback. And then they like truncated it and just called you silverback, right? I am so gonna see if that uh if that website is available. I'm buying. I'm buying that domain. I'm buying that website. All right. Well look, we have a guest that can't we we can't belabor our normal introductions. We could have some banter coming up momentarily, but why don't you please Introduce our guest for the day, and then let's get into our regular banter and go from there, because our guest is too good to keep waiting. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, dude, I thought you was going to do the honors, man, because, look, this person, it's so high up in the HR hierarchy. She is the HR person in the state of Florida, so I figured you would do the honors of giving her that movie, dramatic movie voiceover intro to bring her in. Go ahead, JC. You got this, bro. Uh, pad, pad a little bit more. I got some special music for that. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and pass some more then. So, yes, she is a shoe expert. Not only is she a shoe expert, she is an HR expert. Her HR talk, her, HR talk, her podcast studio is not really a studio. It's also the home of her entire wardrobe. She has one house in the West Coast, one house in the East Coast, and then one house north of the coast, and then one house south. She has houses all over the place, JC. <laughs> While you continue to have me pad trying to find this music, I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her. Ladies and gentlemen, JC got the music. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the internationally acclaimed podcast host of Handbag Mariner. An HR practitioner in her own right. All of Florida and the entire southeastern portion of the United States turns to her to learn more about their craft. Please welcome HD. <laughs> Heather Deru. I hope I said that right. Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for that wonderful intro and happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> hey, happy Valentine's Day right back to you. Did I get the last name right? I know that's why Ricky was patting. He didn't want to even touch it, your last name for a second there. I call her HD. <laughs> and what is it? It, it was very close. So it, it, it is French um, by ex-husband. And um, depending on if you're trying to Americanize it or really French it up, um, I tell people dare you. So, so think dairy like milk and cheese and you like university. Ah. Now, if you oh. really want to put French spin on it, you can add a little more dare you, you know. But <laughs> I jacked that one up. I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I did screw it up. I'm so sorry about that. 
Oh, good. Oh, like the Milk and Cheese University. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> that way people remember it. They're like, all right, Dairy, you. I get it. All right. <laughs> well, big happy Valentine's Day going out to the entire room right here. Just with a little uh, gentle banter like we always start the program. There's a uh, there's a piece here, Heather, that we normally do every week that we have to make sure we get in right now. Because if we don't, we will absolutely forget about this segment. Folks let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. This Ricky Bye. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Baez. Lift up our souls, brother man. In honor of Valentine's Day, maintaining a solid personal relationship is like getting a dream job. You can't have a million-dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. The man, the myth, the legend, Ricky Baez. All right, back to you. I can't take credit for that. Half of that was Zig Ziglar. The, the, the first part was me. The last part was Zig Ziglar. I don't want to pay, uh, plagiarize. Dolph Ziggler? Like the wrestler? Like the WWE guy? Who's, who's Ziggler? I, I thought I you said Dolph Ziggler. No, I said Zig, Zig <laughs> Ziggler. Zig, uh, yeah. Two different Ziglers. One yeah, sentence. I think so. I don't follow wrestling that much, brother. I don't well, know. You should. But Hulk Hogan was the last time. Hulk Hogan, when Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bondi fought, that was WrestleMania three, when Hulk Hogan picked them up, and I'm like, I want to be like Hulk Hogan when I grow up. And as you could tell, that never really materialized. So anyway, Heather, hi, how are you? Welcome back to the show. How have you been, my friend? Oh, I've been amazing. It's been an interesting 2020 to say the least. Uh, but yeah. we had a wonderful conference. We had a great leadership conference. Things are going well at work. Personal life is great. I'm in the new closet at the new house. So. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> Question for you. You say conference. Yeah. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Some people might well, not know. That's true. That's true. So the last time I was on the show, we were talking about hashtag HR Florida 20. Right. Uh, so that would be the annual HR Florida State Conference and Expo uh, that we hold every year at the end of August. And uh, very happy to say that we were the only SHRM related conference uh, that happened live. Uh, throughout 2020 and so far we might be the only one in 2021 but it's it's early we'll see (laughs) and it is florida so we'll see also (laughs) we're probably still good either way no but you know what heather it was so much fun i was there the uh, podcast was there i did a couple of presentations and let me tell you you guys pulled it off and everybody every employee that i spoke with over at the galo palms they were so appreciative because they got called back just for the conference. They weren't furlough. So they yeah. got called back just for the conference. So not only are you guys still having this live in-person event, I mean, some people don't want to go because of social distancing. That's fine. Watch it online. But the people Phys- who do want to be there. Not social distancing. So that, that's physical, my big point. Yes. Ah. Physical distancing. Because now more than ever, we need to be social. A lot of people are... You know, quarantining themselves, they're living in isolation, they're not getting out and doing the things that they used to do. And we need to be social. And even if that's in a virtual environment, or if you do it in person, just have your physical distance, wear your mask, or now double masking is the the (laughs) hot thing on, on topic right now. But physical distance, yes, social distance, no. 
Yeah, I, so I, I, real quick, that? I cannot get on with the double masking thing. I know the CDC just put out guidance about that. But when you think about, like, people being called back to call centers, hey, make sure you wear your double mask and sit in your cubicle. It's freaking ridiculous. It's crazy well, to me I, to I, think I, that you got to wear two. You know what? Just wear a gas mask and get the little motorcycle microphone put in there and there have some go. speakers on your ears. No. You look like <laughs> Mickey Mouse or like a dead mouse, you know, but it's fine. That's, it's good. It could that's work. Not a bad idea. You know the the in person yeah. conference thing. It, it it was it was so evolving last year. It really was. Um, proud to say that this year in April, I'm going to be heading back down to Melbourne, Florida. Going to be emceeing the Space Coast Conference in person. We're going to take the podcast live to the floor that day. Probably look at some uh, physical distancing as you recommended. But like last year, there there were constant evolutions, constant changes. I have that desire to be right there on the conference floor as well. But then I'm living in this lockdown state where I can't even get in an airplane and come back and maybe have reasonable accommodation of work on the back end if I did so. So it's it's been yep. it's been crazy, it really has. But you you pulled off some magic and it was fantastic. We did. We did. <laughs> yeah, awesome conference team and partnership with the Gaylord, and very happy to say that we had no transfers of cases. Everyone was safe, had a good time, nice. and we were able to continue on. <laughs> So, so I know last time we spoke, we talked about, um, it was about a month before the conference started. We talked about how difficult it was putting it together. So now that it's after the conference, it's, it's, were you right? Were you wrong? Was it more difficult? Was it easier than what you initially thought? How was the whole process? A combination. So we decided to make the decision last year to do hybrid. And that was taking on a lot because we were, in essence, hosting two conferences at the same time. So we knew how to do a live conference because we've done it for 30 something years. But definitely having those new requirements, the new distancing and, and switching it up in that way, hosting a virtual event that was supposed to mirror the live event as much as possible was a whole new ballpark for us. And how do we do this and what's live, what's pre-recorded? You know, how do we create that same energy and connection? And glad that we were able to do that for last year, but for 2021, we are going live, we're doing it on site, and that is the way to proceed. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, your life is- Are we still doing the online? I'm sorry. Hmm? Go ahead. Are we still doing the, (laughs) the, the online format as we did last year? We're not planning on doing it. Okay. Um, we, right. we didn't feel like we could deliver the same connections um, that people know and love of the HR Florida conference. It was a fantastic yeah. event, but so many people are doing virtual conferences that we want to say, hey, go to those virtual events if that's how you feel safer, if that's how you want to learn and that works for you. But for the true HR Florida experience that we put on, we need to do it live. That's just the best way to do it. And quite frankly, the more economical way to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> true. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Ricky, yeah, I, I know you had a few more questions on the uh, topic of the conferences because I'm ready to hit the gas on some other stuff here. So please, are okay, you ready? Brother. I'm ready to go. Okay, well, look. Right. Uh, now, now, Heather, you're known for more than just human resources. You're known for more than just this <laughs> conference and, and, and being the head of that for a period of time as well. You, are, you truly are like an internationally acclaimed star in the world of, of, <laughs> of fashion, in the world of, like, podcasting. I've, I've got a little clip here. I have to play this clip. Hang on. Oh, the clip failed me. Clip failed me now. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I forgot about it. I was trying okay. to um, do my my prep earlier this morning and was making mm-hmm. a tiny cup of tea and then uh-huh. just added 
approximately an equal part of simple syrup. Because I remembered mm-hmm. the Earl Grey simple syrup, I just forgot that we were going to do honey as the sweetener mm-hmm. versus actual simple syrup or adding straight sugar in there. So I was trying to equal the water tea sweetness yeah. mix. So. so what does yours taste like? Um, I get a little bit of Earl Grey, still not a lot. Um, definitely mm-hmm. the most, I think, the lemon hits you first and the tequila kind of follows up. All right. So we're talking about tequila tea. We're talking about the podcast, Handbag Marinara. If you could, please tell me yeah. a little bit about the program and uh, what got you into this? <laughs> so in my opinion and many others, Friends is the best show ever. Um, it's <laughs> iconic. It, it was 10 years of all of our lives, but continues to live on as just one of the greatest shows of all time. And no matter which episode, exactly. <laughs> no matter which episode, no matter you know what mood you're in, you can always turn it on and you're going to get a laugh. You're going to have a good time watching it. So my best friend, Elizabeth, um, who I do the podcast with, still lives up in Maryland. And, you know, for years we would go back and forth and visit one another. And one day she said, hey, we should do a podcast together. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Neither of us had ever done a podcast before. We had no idea what we were doing, but we love learning new things. We love, you know, connecting and talking about friends. So we said, all right, let's do our research. Let's figure out how we're going to do this. Let's, you know, buy the fancy microphones and, you know, kind of tweak it along the way of how do you set up the website and the social media and everything else. And for us, we decided to focus on the food, fashion, and fun of friends because uh, we're both foodies, but Elizabeth is the official foodie um, and has had her own blog and has helped out with uh, different recipes and restaurants and things in her local market for many, 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 many years. And um, as you can tell by the closet, I'm a bit of a fashionista. (laughs) So (laughs) that that was kind of my forte, Um, but she loves fashion as well. But I I think I definitely have a, a little more expertise in that area. And we both love fun. It's one of our core values. And that's certainly the theme of the show and just something lighthearted and and a little hobby for us and a way to stay connected. So we said, well, let's make it like a virtual happy hour that we have with one another. So we make a specialty cocktail for each recipe based off of what happens in that episode. Oh, I love it. So we do thing. And, you know, we'll go back and forth with ideas of what are we going to drink? How are we going to craft it? So eventually we will be putting out a craft cocktail cookbook with all of the handbag marinara recipes. So we've, we've started working on that. And uh, we've got some great titles for some. Some of the drinks come out perfectly the first time. Other times we're like, ooh, we need to tweak that a little <laughs> bit. Or that tastes good, but it does not look good. Or yeah, <laughs> So yeah. we've, got, we've got one coming up that tasted delicious, but looks like swamp water. <laughs> so we've, <laughs> we've got to find a way to tweak that one a bit. And it's called swamp water. That's what it's called, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're actually calling it um, Across the Pond Water um, as one of the known ones because it was after they go to London. So they're, they're going across the pond. So we came up with a few different titles for it. It tasted great, but when you start mixing different color alcohols, things happen and, and it looks like the Everglades. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wanted to go here right away with you because uh, if we go back a few weeks, we had a internationally acclaimed uh, cocktail aficionado on the program. A.K.A. Mac huh? Radner. Uh, officially, yeah. his name is Will Elbers, though. And uh, him and an entire crew of people created this group where after the workday, they would get together with, I believe, someone from their HR team. And I don't know what the connection is between HR and alcohol. That might be for another time. <laughs> but <laughs> at the end of the workday, another they would. Time. Yeah, no. I, yeah, like in two minutes. So get ready. 
So they would they would go bar to bar trying out all the different cocktails and 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 craft drinks and and trying things from a a new perspective, learning the history of a drink, and then going from there. You're taking this to a totally different level. You're watching a television show, an iconic TV show. You're saying to yeah. the world, "How you doing?" And you're turning that and making that like your own drink right at the same time. So you're making. Exactly. So in the past one, this was tequila tea, right? Uh, uh, tequila party. So, but tequila. we spelled tequila T E A. So it was tea. So it was the huh. tequila party um, because they were hosting the baby shower for Phoebe um, before she gives birth to the triplets. Um, you know her brother's babies. <laughs> you got to have some extra. Phoebe's twist in pregnant. There. <laughs> That was season four. I know. I'm messing around. Spoiler alert. (laughs) From 20 years ago, right? (laughs) Yeah. So she's drinking tea throughout the episode. So we said, okay, we should have some sort of tea element in there. And then they talk about her sitting around in her leather pants drinking tequila. So we said, all right, we got to throw some tequila in there. And we kind of come up with the different elements and say, all right, how can we turn this into something? But you don't just randomly talk about stuff to the point where it's so out in left field. You're like Ricky. You like to bring things back to an HR perspective to a degree. So, you know, they're going through the scenario of, you know, we'll, we'll call the cops and we'll call the stripper service. And, you know, Joey's like, I've already done all of that. And then Chandler, you know, sees that things are not going well and decides to step in because he's got an idea. He's like, all right. What if we make a new appointment with the stripper and we have her come to my office? Wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> That's my HR alert sound. Oh. Right? Gosh, Is this not an yeah. HR alert? Yeah, not, not a good scenario. So... I was mentioning how I need to create a um, ethics presentation. One of the other presentations that I'm going to do is lessons learned from pop culture, and this will definitely be going in there. <laughs> so, you know, having some rules about not hosting parties and extracurricular activities in the office um, after hours or during hours, don't do it. <laughs> If it is a company-sanctioned party, that's one thing. Right, yes. But, but not your own thing. Private events, right. So yeah. I, I, on, if I take my HR hat off for a moment, and I'm trying to give Chandler some credit for being a friend, this was a very good idea. Now, they could have also easily done this at, say, Ross's apartment. Or Hello, the girl's apartment. Or somewhere else. Not his office. But no, let's not do that. <laughs> You know what, Heather? Something just hit me. Something just hit me right now. And maybe the reason you and I see so many HR issues today is because they watch way too many shows that promote (laughs) anti-HR activities. (laughs) And they think it's okay, right? I.e. The Office. That example right there there with, uh, with a friend. So let's bring it back to real life. You, let's say you are the VP of HR for any given any given organization. Your top lieutenant comes to you and says, hey, boss, I want to have a happy hour with the entire team at the office. We shut down at 3 p.m. and we'll have it from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. What do you say to them? So in several of my past organizations, we've actually done things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as you offer different things for people to enjoy and you have non-alcoholic options so people don't feel like they are forced to partake, 
I would definitely have some food there so that you can try to soak up some things yeah. and water so that people are hydrating, maybe some dancing so that you're burning it off at the same time. <laughs> then, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think holiday get togethers or regular happy hours and events like that. I absolutely condone those, but you have to make sure that you do it in a safe way that you're watching people's consumption and that people aren't going over the edge or, or that you are offering you know, ride services or an Uber yep. or Lyft or something that if they have had too much, they're going to get home safely and not get behind the wheel. Oh, my gosh. There it is. Everyone at the party today, we will get you a ride service from here to the Marriott, not back to your house. Have a good time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Uber shows up and it's a stripper bus. Oh, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Who called this in? Looks like some babies getting made tonight. I'm not looking to get pregnant tonight. Excuse me. <laughs> Christmas office party. You got to love that one. I don't know. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> so, I mean, love in the workplace is kind of a thing, though, too, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it is Valentine's Day. We're talking about that extrapolating the instance that we talked about on Friends and the office and the party getting a little bit of out, out of control. And now we're in this remote workforce where people are lonely at home, spending a little bit too much time socializing by themselves, feeling lonely and distant. And now with your HR hat on, you have to maybe worry a little bit that that two of your employees might be spending too much time on Skype or whatever it may be, chatting about things that they might not want to chat about. Where do you draw that line? So in a typical world, <laughs> we spend more time at work than we do anywhere else. Now, depending on what state you're living in, what your company is doing, you might be spending more time at home, but you're still probably working the same amount of hours, if not more, because they've actually found that more people are working more hours because they don't have the commute. They're at home. It's in front of them all the time. So they're spending more time online doing work, getting things done, which is great from a productivity standpoint. Not so good for our mental well-being, but that's another topic for another time. <laughs> in, <laughs> so, in two more minutes, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love in the workplace. I mean, a lot of companies have policies. If they don't, they really, really need to. Yep. Um, you know, it it's always frowned upon. I understand that you you need to have your network, you need to have friends there, you need to be comfortable in your environment, but you always have to think what if things go south and that's not going to work out well for people? And you also always have to consider what positions is both of the parties in? How is that going to lead to favoritism or, you know, at least perceived favoritism? And again, if things go bad, somebody's going to have to leave. So if you're in different divisions, different locations, if there's no reporting structure in common, it can be done. I still think it's something that everyone should avoid and not even consider. But we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that 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 gets brought up in that manner as far as social distancing is concerned and everybody doing it from home, because I would think I would think that with the way things are going right now, everybody working from home, you'll have mm -hmm. less inter-employee relationships happening but i get i get the issue i get why people get pushed there because they're lonely all these things are happening around the world especially if, if you're a single person and you can't see your parents you can't see your family you can't see nobody the only living thing contact you have is your cat right next to you know in five years you're gonna have 20 cats and then and then you're gonna be deemed that's a cat person but 
I guess what I'm saying is, is I never saw that being an issue right now, but it is. I'm seeing a lot of articles and a lot of um, uh, uh, news outlets that do talk about that. What is that, JC? From BenefitNews.com regarding Valentine's Day, uh, they do say in this this article here titled Best of the Week, Love is in the Air in the Workplace, written by Alyssa Place. She put this out February 12th. On her list here, she states workplace romances are on the rise despite the remote environment. COVID-19 has done little to staunch office flirtations. Sherm did a survey and found 25% of U.S. employees either began a new workplace romance during COVID-19 or have continued an existing workplace romance or affair that began prior to the pandemic. Mm. They did not say affair. I threw it in there for fun. Nearly one quarter of U.S. workers have a work spouse, and 45% say they felt romantic feelings towards this individual. Ricky, hold your feelings back for me right now, if you could. With virtual harassment on the rise, remote communication is becoming more casual among coworkers. It's pertinent that employers keep the well-being of their employees in top mind. Now, here's a quote for you. HR professionals have a responsibility to protect employees from favoritism, retaliation, and incidents of sexual harassment, according to Alex Alonzo, Sherm's chief knowledge officer. There's no brain larger than his. In the press release, he stated ultimately HR should encourage both honesty and professionalism to keep working relationships and workplaces running smoothly. There is fear and trepidation when it comes to love and humanity. Nine to five. I'm just shocked there's a chief knowledge officer. Me too. How many chief executives are there now? <laughs> CFO, <laughs> CIO, CCO, CKO, CEO, not a CKO. <laughs> wow. But you know what? The more the more I think about it, Heather, the more it makes sense. Because you know how bold people get when they're behind a keyboard. I mean, just go on social media. People will say things to each exactly. other that they normally wouldn't say face to face, right? So I guess the same goes when they want to get a little bit frisky. If you're face-to-face, you're not going to say things or act on things as you normally would face-to-face. I but would. now I do. Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, hence the restraining order. I know, JC. No. It, yeah. <laughs> you, please emphasize you're joking about that. Don't even. Don't you put that on me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, okay. We will pull this program to a stop right now. I'm serious. <laughs> You are kidding around, though, right? Is there something yes, I need to know? Uh, no, there's nothing you need to know. You're Thank you. good. Not as right. of right now. Yes. Please continue. So, yeah. so I'll continue. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow. No. So <laughs> here's what happens. Um, when you have that that courage that, you're be, that you feel safe behind the keyboard, then, you know, that's when those things come about. So from an HR point of view, Heather, do you need to have different policies to address this new era of relationships, or do you still revert back to the policies that we used to have pre-COVID-19? Good one. I think you could keep the policies the same because you don't want to necessarily box yourself into different areas. So when we look at policies at work or we're looking at bylaws in the SHRM world, we try to keep it a little bit looser because otherwise you make a change and then a position changes, something gets edited, and then you have to redo everything again and again and again. By keeping it a little more broad, you don't have to go through that process. However, I think there should definitely be some training of how this 
policy is implemented in our new world that we're living in. So, okay, here's the things that you know you're not supposed to do when we are working in the same office and interacting in a live version every day. As a reminder, here's all the things that you should not be doing in a virtual environment either, because mm. all of the things still apply to that same policy. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you do know what I started to notice. I started to notice uh, some associates that although they do not work from the office, they're working from home, mm. um, they're now working together at the homes of their best friends, of their uh, work spouse, right? So from a corporate perspective, can you dictate where they work from? If you if you tell them you are okay in working from home, which is your your own space, can right. you tell an associate you can't work from your best friend's house? Ooh. Um, I mean, that depends on the policy. I can tell you the way that we have ours written is as long as you've got the correct setup that you know it's you've got internet, you've got access to you know the power, the uh, VPN, whatever yeah. you need to get your job done. Technically, you don't have to be working from home. Now, we do ask that if you're going to be outside of the county area or traveling long distances, you let us know because we all have to serve an emergency capacity. So if a random hurricane or tornado or something else comes in, I can't be working from the Bahamas if I didn't tell people I was going to oh. be down there working. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> I had the conversation ahead of time, maybe, but you know. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Yeah, because it's I see that happening uh, quite a bit, and we are working on policies right now to to address that because legally we have to think about all right, what 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 are we allowed to tell them? We can have a policy that says you can't work from your friend's house, but that doesn't mean they we can enforce it, right? right. Uh, because they're at their own home. But anyway, I'm working with legal on that. I figured I'd throw that at you to see if you had um, a little bit of uh, input on that to save me three hundred bucks an hour. Yeah, but <laughs> hang on, though. like at the, at the end of the day, you could still like do all your tracking and monitoring that you need them to do anyways, if they're in on the VPN, as long as they're right. dialed into the proper VPN, you don't need to know necessarily what IP address that they're on. Maybe as long as they're not in a moving vehicle working. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but we still have to address that, right? Because if the person works somewhere else and they're not following the social distancing guidelines, then what if they get COVID and they got COVID while they're at work? Now, is that work as cop? It brings a completely new set of headaches to the HR table. And then because if you're working you and you get the it, right, it is work as comp. Do you reserve the right to stop by wherever they are to inspect their work environment at whatever <laughs> given time then? Yeah, well, I don't think you can do that. I know I'm not going to let my boss come in into my house at any given time. It's my house. <laughs> right? So, yeah, but we can't do that either. They're doing that where they say, all right, you need to show us your environment that you're in. Yeah. So if they're on a Zoom or a Teams meeting or their phone or whatever, some employers are really cracking down to show, okay, what is your dedicated workspace? Is it ergonomically correct so that they don't yep. encounter workers' comp? issues of you know somebody sitting in an odd chair or something that's going to cause long-term problems um, but you're right i mean if they're working with their their friends or lovers or whatever they're definitely increasing their bubble and that's not the restrictions that we're supposed to be having oh heather i gotta find the story i was reading a story last week that an employer did exactly that they do have a policy where they're asking their associates to show your environment and it was ergonomically correct everything was perfect the only one small issue the guy had a humongous bong be behind him <laughs> huge drug paraphernalia right <laughs> 
Oh. And then the boss is like, what is that? And the guy was so high, he told him. <laughs> so then next thing you know, is this big, big investigation. But that brings the question. Outside of the person being under the influence, which he obviously was. So I get that. But you take that piece out of it. I don't know what we can do as an employer to address that situation, right? Because I guess we're all doing this. Uh, we're all learning uh, this at the same time. Nobody has an experience with a pandemic working from home with the technology that we have today. So everything is ever evolving. I want to see a situation where on what we can do for that. And I guess from my perspective, I think nothing because they're at home especially if you're in a state where it's recreation illegal, there's not an issue there unless you're showing up to work under the influence. Have you ever had anything like that happen in your experience with any of the associates you, you support? Knock on wood, we have not. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> okay. some of the concerns are, you know, discrimination of what is behind you in your work environment, yeah. you know, whether it's a, a cross or other religious things yeah. or recreational fun or whatever <laughs> but if you're not set up in a space knowing that your camera is going to be on at least on occasion you need to think about what's showing up behind you whether that's people decor whatever Lack of and that that's point, right, <laughs> that that's not going to create a a oddity um you know with your colleagues or your boss yeah. that you're talking to well, and you know everyone's homes is different uh, the space that you're able to set up and dedicate but as a message to employees please consider that if you haven't already <laughs> over the last year that you need to have an environment that you're comfortable with people seeing whatever's going on behind you that's true huge advocate for the yellow sticky still some employers out there do still reserve the right and, and have the technical capability to turn that mm -hmm. camera on. And there's right. not always a policy in place that lets the employee know that that's happening. So the uh, yellow sticky on the camera is never a bad thing, in my opinion, just uh, from some things that I know. You can't require them to, uh, to have the camera on at all times while you're working. And then so to that, that, you're letting them know in advance. You're not randomly turning it on without no, them correct. knowing. Well, remember, but as soon as you, you if yeah, you're no, using your employer's equipment or you are doing work for your employer, even if it's your own equipment, but you are claiming those hours in that time, you need to assume you have no right to any privacy. That's right. No, it, <laughs> best it, it, advice. Best advice. One hundred percent correct. A lot. Of, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, most work computers, you got to hit Control Alt Delete to log in. Then a little mm -hmm. box comes up with a lot of small print writing, and you hit OK just to get past it. Read it. Huh? <laughs> Read it. That little box. As soon as you hit OK, you are acknowledging that um, we can see any passwords, access to camera, whether you know about it or not, because that is our machine. As long as you're using it for work. We have access to a lot than you might they, than you might think, and that turned right. out to be one of the interesting things this past fall when it came to the Solar Winds hack. And we look at the way that uh, that hack rippled through a lot of the industry, uh, let it be public or private sector. Just to indemnify my statements there. So to that, when we're talking about that that hack, what we're talking about is an interconnection of all these computers crossed a certain employer's network to include your home networks. To include at that time, if you had certain programs installed on your computers, Microsoft-specific products, there were tokens and things that were implanted and embedded in a very, very malicious way, in a not good way. 
that let bad actors bypass tokens to get into mm. networks and further take them over. And the interesting thing from that was because of the rules and things that were in place about it, there's no reasonable expectation of privacy that also leached and lurched forward directly into your TV set top boxes, your personal devices and literally everything out there. It's a very, very interesting 2021 that we're in. It's going to be more intriguing to see um, uh, new inventions of technology moving forward. There, there's something even more intriguing than that, though. And when it comes down to like Valentine's Day, comes down to love in the office. We're also talking about potentially accidentally using the corporate credit card to buy your lover some things. That's never a good thing either. Am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about any messages, emails, Teams meetings, whatever, if you were using the corporate accounts or the corporate equipment, there could be ways that they find all of that. So, again, it's a bad idea to begin with, but really <laughs> think about all of those interconnected points. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That they um, don't, but... In, in this article, it goes on to uh, state just a little bit further here for you uh, that pandemic PTO, just personal time off for people to just to have on their own, to socially reconnect with those that are close to them is is never a bad thing. And something that uh, should be considered a little bit more when we think about Valentine's Day, as well as employers focusing on engagement strategy strategies as COVID continues. I'm going to lump those two together and and kind of leverage in on that real quick, because you brought it up in the beginning, Heather, you did, when when you're talking about not so much social distancing as, as much as person distancing, making sure that we have that physical distance in person. Let, let, let's get into that a little bit more because it, it sounded like you have some passion there to bring forward. Absolutely. So employee engagement has always been a, a passion of mine because you spend so much time at work and you want your people to be happy, to enjoy what they're doing and to have that personal connection with their colleagues. So with my specific team, we get together at least three times a week and our Monday morning meeting and our Friday afternoon meeting, we'd talk a little bit of business because there's always some sort of updates or things that we need to think about for the week or we're wrapping up for the week. But a lot of that time is that water cooler atmosphere of, hey, how was your weekend? What'd you do? Or on Friday afternoons, what are you doing this weekend? What's going on? And having that fun. Our Wednesday meeting is our longer meeting where we really cover the majority of business, but I always make sure that there's some sort of icebreaker activity going on during that time so that you just have that time to reconnect with one another as humans. And whether that is playing categories in a virtual slash live environment or talking about, you know, our favorite vacation or what we're going to do once the pandemic's over, it allows people to really share something personal about themselves that they're comfortable with and create those connections between everyone. So it's more important now more than ever, you know, especially for um, uh, recruiters, right? Because recruiters right now, uh, believe it or not, are having issues with attrition. And the reason they're having issues with attrition is because um, as soon as as soon as recruiters bring people on to work with the organizations that are hiring, um, they're leaving in droves. And the reason they're leaving, I'm finding out, is that because the managers, the, the team managers are still using their old pre-COVID-19 strategy to connect with their employees. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where they're failing. And here's what I mean by that. 
before COVID, a manager used to connect with their employee maybe once a week for 30 minutes or at the very, at, 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 or worse, once every other week, right? But you can still see them at the water cooler. You can still see them in the break room, passing by, hey, how you doing? Oh, it's Friday. You know, the typical conversation, right? In an environment where everybody's working from home, you don't get that, right? So if you worked at the office and then went home, right, then you still have that personal connection you had with the people at the office. But what if you start brand new? If you're a brand new associate, you come in, you go through orientation virtually from your house, you go through training virtually from your house, and you work virtually from your house. You don't know anybody, only by name, and you still talk to your manager every other week. You're going to leave. You're yeah. going to leave, right? So managers and leaders really need to tweak. You know what? Forget tweak. Revamp the entire strategy on meeting with your associates. Do it more often daily to make sure they have that connection. Have you seen stuff like that happening? Absolutely. And you could not be more right <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> if you think you're doing enough, you're not. And while you think it might be too much, it's not. And that first 30, 60, 90 days is really that critical time where those people feel like they are part of this new work family mm -hmm. and having those connections with their boss, with their colleagues, with people that they're interacting with. And while being on a video screen is certainly not the same as being in person, requiring people to have their cameras on is definitely a better way to connect because you pick up on that body language. You can see their yep. facial expressions. You know that they're paying attention to you, or at least it looks like they're paying attention to you <laughs> versus, you know, cameras off, who knows what people are doing and, you know, checking social media or doing emails or whatever else. Um, so having a increased number of connections and quality connections is mm -hmm. going to be critical if you want to keep those folks on board. How do you build right. that culture of trust? aside from meeting with them a little more regularly in the 30, 60, 90 days during these unprecedented times, as they say. <laughs> so I think you need to have that game plan like you would in a regular live environment of, you know, here's the expectations and here's the daily check-ins or weekly check-ins of, you know, what we expect out of your job, but then also asking on a regular basis, what do you need from us? What questions do you have? You know, do you mm -hmm. feel like you need a connection with somebody else? Is there something that you don't understand? Is there more training that you're looking for? And already start having the conversations about their long-term goals. It's never too early to start that conversation because a lot of people want to continue to grow in their career, whether it's in that position or something else in the organization or outside of the organization. But if you're truly taking that interest in who they are and what they want to do from a professional aspect, then you can start to, you know, tweak things for them with different projects or, you know, hey, I found this article that I thought you would enjoy reading and sending that over to them so that you're having that personal professional connection and really showing that you care about them as a person. So if you're outside that 30, 60, 90 days and you're someone that's been around for a while and those conversations go more along the lines of, hey, you know, you got to move out to move up. Have you ever thought about going to another organization? hey, we do need extra hours out of you, but we're not going to be around. Could you just run it and take care of it? Oh, by the way, you didn't get the promotion either. Have you thought about leaving? You know, when the, the conversations <laughs> head down, yeah, when it goes that path, I mean, there's there's like different red flags that are up, right? I mean, is that still a, I mean, that's still happening. It's a culture of trust, right? I mean, you trust them to tell you the it truth is. and they're telling you the truth. Right. No, it, it's still definitely a thing. And, you know, communication's a two-way street. 
And there's, you know, times that I will continually ask my team, how are you feeling? You know, what's going on with you personally and professionally? How are you today? What do you need? You know, do you need to wave the white flag because there's too much on your plate? I take something off, we reallocate for the team. It's then up to that person to tell me the truth of how they're feeling. And a lot of people, you know, don't like to say, I can't handle this or I need help. Those are two of the hardest things to say, especially if you have that perfectionist mentality, but communication and trust is two ways. So they have to be truthful, especially when their manager is asking on a regular basis, you know, how are things going? You need to be able to tell your manager, I need help, or I can't do this, or I need more time on this project or whatever. Well, that's why building that circle of trust is crucial. That culture of trust is really crucial because it's some associates who come in and they don't want to be seen as a whiner or a complainer. When the boss right. asks them that, they're going to say everything's okay, but they're they're being destroyed inside. That's why it is, and especially right now, Heather, it, it is crucial for uh, to provide training for managers and uh, and uh, managers of people, people who lead other people, to train them on how to pick up a nonverbal cues, um, mm-hmm. a lot of emotional intelligence training, yeah. and talk to them more often so they can pick up on that because. Every manager, I tell all of my managers, always assume the associate is afraid to talk to you. Yep. Always assume that, right? Now, you got to be careful how many questions you ask because you don't want to get too personal. So you have to look at those, you know, the green light, red light, and the yellow light to Ooh. know when to stop and go. Oh, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Like, Ricky, what color is that bong behind you in the video? <laughs> the one that doesn't exist? <laughs> no, but yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's, back there with, it's back there with my restraining order. Thanks. <laughs> Jerk. No, but, you know, this training that a lot of leaders see as not necessary because they think it doesn't move that needle. They don't. It's our job as HR people to really explain to them how that affects that bottom line. At the end of the day, executive speaks the language of numbers. And if we're able to tie that attrition piece to that training and how that can lower it, I'm telling you, this year, more than any other year, that's crucial for everybody out there listening. Get your manager's emotional emotional intelligence training. It's going to pay off this year. I need Absolutely. to take you both down a path to a path to the United Kingdom. This next article right here in a, a little clip that, I, or uh, rather not a clip, a, a quote that I have from here. This was written by Kate McCusker in Marie Claire. The title of the article, Work Won't Love You Back, So Why Are You Still Trying to Find Fulfillment in Your 9 to 5? She states here, Where once it was acceptable to treat work solely as a means of paying our bills, now we are encouraged, if not expected, to find joy in it too. Companies expect (laughs) long hours of employees and recompense them by adding a games room, a gym, free meals, other schemes to the office so that they don't have to leave very often. Corporate bosses refer to the workplace as a family And those wanting to break into what are typically considered creative careers, such as journalism, publishing, fashion, or the arts, are expected to work for next to nothing before landing their dream job. The list is endless. And when you unpack it as scrupulously as the writer of this article has, it makes for a frightening portrait of just how much our attitudes towards work are contributing to record levels of burnout, stress, and isolation. Mm-hmm. She's got a point. There. I, I, I find it funny that what's that quote she said that 
where work was once known just to pay the bills, we're now expected to find joy as if it's a bad thing, right? <laughs> we're expect now we're expected to find joy as well. How much more do you want from me? <laughs> right. <laughs> But But you you have to love what you do. And when I go to recruiting events or I'm talking with people, I still wake up every day going, I get to go to work because I love what I do and I love the organization that I do it for. And no matter what you do, you know, I understand the world is not rainbows and puppy dogs and unicorns and kittens and that we're all going to have some hard days, hard hours, hard weeks or hard months, depending on what's happening. You have to find joy at mm-hmm. least a couple of times a day, if not more frequently, that you feel like you were making a difference, that you were doing something that you enjoy doing. And whether you are working individually as a bricklayer or the executive of the company or whatever in between, you need to find some joy or passion so that it's not a job. It's not something that you dread. It's something that you do look forward to, at least in some aspects. Like your 15-minute breaks or your half-hour lunch. Find joy in that. Right. And get back to work. At least start with that. Start there. (laughs) Start there and then get back to work. water. There yeah, you go. Indoor right. plumbing. Right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Start somewhere though. Start somewhere. It makes sense. So Heather, how do you, then how do you, address, I guess I'm with you. I agree with you a thousand percent, right? You've got to find some joy, but you still have people out there who, 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 who find joy at being grumpy at work. They've been doing it for 30 years, right? Yeah. They're working just enough not to get fired. So they've been there all this time. Everybody sees them. Oh, that's so-and-so that's just the way they are. How do you handle associates like that? More importantly, how do you handle the managers who allow that to happen? Oh, I can answer it. You fire them. Okay. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's it? I mean, yeah. we are in Florida. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's Florida. It's a wild west. You can do anything. <laughs> now. Work, right? Yeah. I, I think you try to help them um, either find a new position in or out of the company where they can find joy. Um, you know, if they're great at what they do and they're not bringing down the company culture, which is going to be very rare, and you can let them, you know, work out through their retirement, sure. But I like to have the conversations with people and find out what do you actually enjoy doing? Are there talents or hobbies or things that you do outside of your normal scope that we could infuse into your position? Or would a different department or a change of job duties help them find new joy and reinvigorate them uh, for the work that they're doing and to finish out their career? Because everybody has something that they enjoy. And whether that is organizing files or interacting with customers or coming up with innovative solutions, there's different ways that you can at least put bits and pieces of that into their daily lives or their monthly lives in the office. And, and, and what you just said there is key. And I really want people listening to really hone in on that, right? Because it, it's, it's that that's all part of being a great leader, having that people skills to really have the the backbone to have that conversation about what makes that associate happy right mm-hmm. that's why you've got to have people skills to be a leader and you've got to build that 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 culture of trust so they can actually talk to you here's another thing that that I have seen in other organizations i got one client 2 years ago who who had the same mentality hired somebody he thought she was great for that specific position but it's he quickly found out that was not her passion, right? So it was a misplace of talent, right? But she would have been great in this department, but she was failing in that one area, 
right? So he wouldn't move her because she was failing, which overall, I get it. You've got to be performing in your current role before you promote them or move on to another role. But for this one, I thought I advised him take a step back. The reason she's failing is because you mishired her. You placed her in a position that she doesn't like. Take right. the hit. Put her somewhere else so you can turn that around, regardless of whether she's she's performing. You expect her to perform somewhere where she hates? I mean, the only other option is to quit or fire her. And now, I mean, so what does that leave you? So right. it's, it's, it's important that if you have that rule in place, just because that rule is there doesn't mean you have to be followed blindly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying break the rules. All I'm saying is pay attention to what's going on how to apply the rule, take a step back, and maybe it could be some time to bend the rule or just get rid of it altogether based on that specific situation. Right. Lateral moves and demotions are not always bad things. You know, sometimes people are great at their job and they think they're ready to move to that next level and they want to move into management and they're just not ready for it or that's not a fit for them. But if they rock at that job that they were doing before and a demotion makes sense or a lateral move makes sense so that they're not managing people, by far, yes, do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you're, you're going to see those failures. You're going yeah. to see failures from the team that they were trying to lead. And then you've got a real attrition problem on your hands at that point. Yeah, yeah. it takes six months for you for somebody to get a, a, their ROI back from hiring somebody. So can yes. you imagine just paying minimum. somebody? Yeah, minimum, right? $40,000 <laughs> a year, right? And then six months they leave. You never got a penny of that back, right? So that's $20,000 mm-hmm. just gone. And now you got to right. start everything all over again. I just wish I wish more, more people understood those numbers and cents behind those hirings and firings. Uh, because once you once that's realized and you see how that's affecting that bottom line, you'd be surprised how many people would uh, switch their tune when it comes right. to um, uh, just having that culture of trust, having those touchy-feely type of conversations. I know what you're going to say, JC, not literal touchy-feely. You know what I meant. <laughs> no, actually, I've got, I've got something uh, a little different here. Uh, but you were talking about real problems. You're talking mm-hmm. about real things. One thing up here in New York that's that's a real problem is real estate because there's so much that's up for sale right now because people are leaving in droves. They are flocking away from our state because it's absolutely insane up here. I mean, you have business owners that actually had to sue the state and the governor just to reopen their doors. And then after they reopened their doors, the governor sued the business owner. This this is uh, Robbie De Niro of Athletes Unleashed, right? We talked about him going back a few Mm -hmm. weeks. He was on on TV. He was actually on Fox News being interviewed in primetime. And he was issued a summons and a penalty of $15,000 for having a private meeting on his property, not open to the public, with fellow business owners. And the health department walked in and saw them. On TV, he tore that up. And he said, I ain't paying it. He sued the state. He sued the governor. He won. His gym was allowed to reopen at 100% capacity. The state sued him back to shut him down. He won that. He's won twice. He's now suing the governor of New York to remove his executive powers for an overreach on behalf of all business owners in New York State to allow them to reopen to a certain capacity. This is crazy when you think about it compared to the reality that you're living in Florida. It is a tale of two totally different United States of America. It really is. Oh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the only people winning by stimulating the the economy are the attorneys. 
right? Everybody's suing everybody <laughs> left and right. They're the only ones working. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got a point there. And it's also insane when you talk about trying to fill roles and, and find qualified individuals and entice them to stick around. And they're leaving in droves, heading to other states, heading to a state, a beautiful state, a fantastic state, one of the best states, Florida. And they're down there. They're having a great time in Florida. They're soaking up the sun and there's employment everywhere. Like literally who is not hiring in Florida right now? Am I wrong? No, it's I'm hiring um, the the network that I'm with in Lake Mary, Florida. I've got five other call centers that are hiring as well. Uh, Oh, that's the auto insurance warranty thing you guys keep calling about. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Actually, I. I had a, I had dinner with a client two weeks ago, and then he was telling me what he does, but he didn't quite tell me, almost as if he was embarrassed to tell me, and I kind of put two and two together, and I just flat out asked him, do you hound people to let them know about their extended warranties? He's like, no, Ricky, I don't do that. I'm like, I'm just saying, come out right, just come out with it. All this beating around the bush makes me think, because let me tell you, if what you were that guy, do? I'm not working right. with you. Right. <laughs> I'm not working with you. <laughs> So, so I get those calls in English and in Spanish. It annoys the crap out of me. So when you're talking about recruiting, you're talking about the new future in 2021. You're talking about a plethora of new population in your state, Ricky and Heather. How how are you going to tackle that? I mean, the, the, the tables have turned. It's no longer an employee's paradise. It's an employer's choice at the buffet yeah. right now, right? It's getting to that point. I think we still have some talent matches uh, that we're working Mm -hmm. through so that if you don't have that specific skill set, there's still shortages in some areas. But we're definitely seeing an increase in trainees and apprenticeships and internships and allowing people to have that opportunity to gain those new skills so that we have a better match. It's spot on because I'm training my team to be careful just because there's a lot of talent out there and for, for, for us to pick from. It's easy to 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 drop our guard and it's easy to just hire anybody. And what I'm telling them, this is this is when you need to be even more careful. Now you got to stop. Take a step back because some pe- a lot of people are out of work as well. Yes, we're hiring and the people we're hiring are people who got put out of work because of the pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're desperate. So they're putting things on their resume. They may say some things that may not be up to par to what you're looking for. And they may slip through the cracks. And then they either they come to you either as a stepping stone until they find something else or they come to you and they embellish what their skill sets are. You got to be careful with that, because if you just hire anybody and you believe everything they say without putting them through a test, your attrition is going to skyrocket. Right. Absolutely. So, you still yeah, need to so do your background checks. You still need to do absolutely. your verifications, your education verifications. Everything. You know, our, our hiring has not slowed one bit. No. Um, but our, our increase in applications and the increase in the lies on applications yep. and resumes is certainly increasing. Um, and, you know, a lot of people that are applying from out of state we've resorted to doing more virtual interviews and different things like that. But then you give them the offer and they're like, Oh wait, I, I know I applied for this and I thought I was ready to move, but I, yeah. I'm not so sure. Yeah. I mean, one of our positions, we're now looking for candidate number five. <laughs> so, oh, wow. yeah. and, and these are, and the other four that we went through 
went through, you know, three or four different sets of interviews. Wow. So it's not like it was one and done. They knew this was coming and they were progressing through the ranks. And then it got to that point that they're like, oh, you know what? I, I don't know if I'm ready to sell the house and move and relocate. Right. And there's a lot going on at this time. So you got to be and careful. We've had a lot of successful <laughs> relocations as well. So it's not everybody, but just something to yeah. be on the lookout for. But as a recruiter, that is so frustrating because you're trying to close that rec that that requisition, and you're like, I'm almost there. I'm gonna get a bonus for closing this out. Next thing you know, hey, new employer orientation is on Monday. Yeah, I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm not moving. Yeah. At hey, Rick, all. real quick, just turn your mic up a little bit for me. I've been like slamming my finger on the headphone a touch oh, here. I'm like, dude, okay. you're too quiet. You sound like you're I'm whispering, like you're in the back of her closet whispering. I'm like, come on. Nobody has talk ever louder. accused me of being too quiet. This is a first. Yeah. Good. 2021 is definitely the year. <laughs> you know, I wow. was I was trying to find a tweet that I saw this past week. I forget who it was from. I can't find it, so I'm just going to set the phone aside. But it talked about in some of these applications that are out there, they'll have a requirement where they specifically say, we're looking for a recent graduate with point." Uh, Two eight years of experience already <laughs> in the sector and that has worked specifically with one certain CEO, et cetera, et cetera. And the person was going on saying, you know, uh, if if you feel uh, disenfranchised by reading that, suck it up because there's people that graduate with those skills, go on and on, and and uh, you shouldn't feel bad about it. And, and maybe you should work harder to obtain those skills to go from there. But we've all seen it before, right? You see that job description that's written up that says you have to have a decade's worth of experience, but you need to be under the age of 23. And it's like, well, wait a minute. How do you put the two and two together? It's like, it's like you're not going to be able to do this. So at some point, the logic of things really falls on the shoulders of the person that's actually putting the job description together. So when we're talking about the competency and the relation to let it be requirements that used to be in place that might be a little bit out of spec or the requirements for the individual to relocate and be within the area, expressing that and, and conveying that the proper way in writing is one thing. But then as you're talking about finding out through the interview process, that's also something else totally and radically different altogether. Like, do you have to have them sign a contract before you even interview them? I know I'm just kind of going on and on. Please jump in. <laughs> So I, I know most of the people that listen to the show are HR professionals and know better, but please know that there's a difference between a job ad and a job description. Thank you. Thank <laughs> for, for the you, hiring managers out there. Thank you. Where's the applause, JC? <laughs> Holy crap. Thank you. This is a conversation I have multiple times a day and even with my team because they're in a, a different mindset and, and transitioning them into the new way. The job ad is the quick little bit of, you know, this is why you want to work here. This is why this position's great. This is why the organization's great. Come on and join us, throw your application in so that we can have a conversation. Your job description is where you go into the nitty gritty of 10% of your duties is this, 5% is this, blah, 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 blah. But you're absolutely right that looking at those, what were minimum requirements, are they truly minimum requirements? Or can you make some edits there and move some of those to preferred? Yep. Because most likely, if you're 23 years old, you're not going to have 10 years of experience doing X, Y, and Z, unless you did a whole lot of internships and yeah. got some other experience that way. It is possible, but not likely. So let's make some tweaks there. 
I mean, not only is it illegal to have something on a job description that says you got to be under 23, right? <laughs> so, Unless it's a BFOQ, which I can't imagine where that would fall into place, but, you know. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. No, but you know what, though? But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. My From my perspective, it, it's it's you gave me goosebumps as soon as you said that, Heather, because I cannot tell you how many times I speak to a client and I tell them this 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 isn't a job ad. Right. He's like, yes, it is. This is exactly what you need. No. If you was to equate this right to a burger that you see on TV. Right. And you see uh, uh, not not the nice advertisement where you see the nice juicy burger. What you're putting out there is the ingredients. That's yes. what you're putting. You don't want to put the ingredients. This is ham. This is uh, cheese. This is the bread. You don't want that. Right. You want to see that nice, beautiful burger. You That's what your job at is supposed to look like. You're not going to attract people by shooting off ingredients. You have to spice it up, not lie. But you got to sell the career opportunity. Absolutely. Not only that, it, it, dude, Heather, I have a client. And it, it's God, I, I would love for him to come on. Hey, guys, a second. I what? caught you. I caught you. You're like, yo, dude, Heather. Like you, yeah, you yeah, slipped yeah, real quick. I know, because I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, the... wait, what? <laughs> I'm excited. Yo, dude, Heather. Yo, dude. That's right. Heather. Heather. Right. He went <laughs> so, He went straight Bronx again. Like this guy. I you really take did. him out of New York, you know? You see what happened? <laughs> Heather, are you originally from Florida or no? Maryland. See? Mid-Atlantic girl. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah, I don't think there's many native Flor- Floridians, but that's, again, topic for another time in two minutes. Yeah, Go ahead. Another time. Yeah. No, what I was saying is I got a client and I'm going to try to get him on, but I doubt he's going to do it. And what what he is having so many, so many issues with his recruiting strategy because he can't get anybody to come on. And the reason he can't get anybody to come on is because he refuses to allow his associates to work from home. And he, he's not an essential employer. I told him, you're a call center, dude. You're a call center. Everybody and their mother who runs a call center is doing this thing called working from home. So if you have people not biting on your ad or you start talking and when they ask, is this remote? And you say no, you can't get mad at them if they leave. Oh, there's, some like pe- 30... there's some people, though, that are working from their friend's house. Don't don't lie. Well, I mean, well, okay. Working okay, from so... a home. <laughs> working A-home. from a home. There, there you go. go. A home. <laughs> No, but they re- it, it, it's these business leaders, they really have to take a look at what's going on around them and how the environment is affecting it's affecting their funnel. Just how 30, 40 years ago, I want to venture to guess, benefits wasn't as a normal type of a total compensation package like it is right now. No law says we have to offer that, but we do. So I, I'm, I'm venturing to guess, and you tell me what you think, Heather, that in about five, 10 years, working from home is going to be a staple in a total compensation package, just how benefits are right now. What do you think? Absolutely. And I have to say one of the the best things to come from the pandemic, and I use that lightly because there's been a lot of horrible things that have happened. And a a lot of people have lost their lives or gone through some terrible, terrible things. But one of the positives is that a lot of the managers and a lot of executives that did not believe in work from home before have seen the light over the last year. And I even within my own organization, people that said, nope, it can't happen. This won't work. We'll never get this approved. We won't get the same level of quality and quantity of work done have been proven wrong. That if you have the right people, you hire people that you trust to do the jobs and you still have your ways to check in on them, get the deliverables and get the work done, that that same level, if not a higher level of work is being completed. And, you know, just the days that I am able to work remotely, 
you know, not having to drive. And, you know, with my new home, I'm, I'm very glad I have a 22 minute commute. So it's not bad, <laughs> but you know, you, you round that up to an hour back and forth. And that's another hour that I'm either spending at work or spending at home or, or finding, you know, time to meditate or do whatever that it's leading to a better refreshed version of me or more work being done for the employer that it, it benefits them either way. So that's definitely been one of the positives out of this, this whole thing that we've got going on. <laughs> I, right. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about you in that meditative thing. I want to talk about you in, in that free time thing. I want to talk about the Heather that maybe doesn't want to be talked about a little bit, but I, I, I just want, I want to crack that door. Okay. Okay. So at the end of the workday, what, what, mm-hmm. what does your day look like? How do you unwind? Is it truly just fashion and podcasting with a friend? <laughs> What's your world? Well, it depends like? on the day. It depends on the day. Uh, so the current schedule is Tuesday is now podcast recording night, and mm. Thursday is our HR Florida Executive Committee Plus call that we do. So Tuesday and Thursday are kind of knocked out. That all right? That's my after work activity, all and right. you know, eventually dinner and relaxing or whatever. But that really takes up some time. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the weekends just varies depending on, you know, if there's errands to run or other things to do. But otherwise, it's time with my incredible boyfriend and his kids, if we're lucky enough to have some time with them. And uh, whatever else brings me joy. I know what. Um, I know because it's uh, every time I'm driving around or I'm going somewhere, I follow you on Instagram. And <laughs> I get an alert that says, <laughs> I, I don't know the handle but i see the picture come up of shoes and never before have i ever reached to my phone oh let me see what kind of shoe she has on now i've never <laughs> done that before right and- <laughs> i can't i can't tell you how many people i know that actually do this now like everyone's doing it oh yeah like, this is a th- it's a real thing yeah like people are actually addicted like are they gonna be red again this is getting crazy why am i hooked is, on right? this yeah <laughs> It's weird. I'm hooked so, on it, right? Topic, I have to adjust the camera here so you can see my, this is my official DSW shirt and the heart is made okay. out of shoes. Oh, just noticed <laughs> it. Got it. <laughs> Dude, it yes. really is awesome. Shoe lover. There. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never reached for the phone to see what, what, what you're going to wear next. I've never bothered <laughs> with that, right? So then my wife is mad. Is like, uh, so now you're interested in your shoes? And I'm like, no, just those. And I made it worse, right? <laughs> just just those shoes. Just, just those shoes. Maybe not your shoes, her shoes. No, wait a second. Oh, no. <laughs> it just made the whole thing worse. No, but you have a knack for that. You've got a really good knack. So if HR doesn't work out for you, you could pretty much be a shoe Instagram influencer, right? I think she already is. She is. Yeah, yeah she already I, is. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not making any money off of it at this time. I do get, you know, the DMs from a lot of companies of, you know, be a brand ambassador for us and everything yeah. else. But it's always still the, hey, we'll give you a, a discount off of these items or whatever. Uh, no one's actually sent me free shoes yet or, or given me uh, anything like that. I, I'm open to it. I'll put it out there now. <laughs> um, so if I like the shoes, I'll wear them. I'll show you where I'm going. Um, I have to say... I a little bit more difficult to be creative now um, because I'm not traveling as much as I used to. So I used to really love showing my shoes in whatever, you know, city or venue or whatever I'm out and about doing. It's like, all right, now I'm at the home or office most of the time. So trying to, (laughs) you know, find a different background or a different spin or like, how do I choose my outfit for the day? So 
leading oh. up to Valentine's Day, I was doing the red shoes and the pink shoes and, you know, trying to come up with the different themes and, you know, keep it interesting. I had a fantastic <laughs> idea just now. If we go back to the last episode of 2020, we had Jennifer Bryant, the budget bombshell on the program out of Deland, oh, Florida. JC. And yes. uh, she's actually working with like a lot of different businesses within her specific yeah. Deland and Daytona area, showing off like okay. their different articles of clothing let it be the shoes the dresses the skirts the whatever total total fashion fashionista you know we gotta we gotta just connect you to we have to we have to connect you to we do it's just like it's a synergy that's yet to happen i'm telling you love it (laughs) i can see them putting a podcast together or even a youtube channel on how to how to dress hr people how no, to dress HR people with style. I can <laughs> see absolutely. that happening. Absolutely. Don't, don't be the lady from office Christmas party. Do this instead. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, wow. I can't tell you how many people approach me and they walk into my office and see the decor or they see what I'm wearing. They're like, you're in HR. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. keep it fun. Keep it you know, professional. <laughs> but have fun with what you wear. And if we're going to get dressed every day, have something on that brings you joy or a pop of color and, you know. Yes. Obviously, I'm not afraid of color. <laughs> so, no, you're not. Let's, let's have a good time. <laughs> so, so Heather, let me ask you this then, because now, now you're no longer the president of HR Florida. You passed those, those reins over. Oh, right? you're not. And I thought I thought you oh. were. No, I. I'm the illustrious immediate past president oh, now. Oh, yes. the, the former president. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. 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 We'll leave like it at that. that. Yeah, you know, she's got all kinds of uh, of Secret Service protection. No, no honestly, no, look, all so- the former presidents <laughs> live in Florida. All the good ones. No, it's okay. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to. I, I'm not going politics or nothing. I was just being a guy. Didn't mean it. It's okay. Go ahead, Ricky. Just, just being a guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Got yeah. it. No. So, so Heather, it, it's uh, folks. I got to tell you, if you haven't seen Heather on stage. She owns it. She owns that stage. So now I'm asking myself, now that you no longer have um, that responsibility, A, what are you going to do with all that clothes in your in your closet? What other stages are you going to own now? And what are you doing? Are you doing anything behind the scenes with HR Florida now? I mean, It sounded like she is, though. It sounded like she's still yeah. on that executive committee, right? Yeah, it does. Right. Correct. Yeah. So we have our immediate past president serves for two years um, mm-hmm. in a you know, perfect environment. Um, and I'm planning to do my two years as the immediate past president. So that way you're still there as the historical knowledge and the steering committee. So uh, Chad Sorensen is now our president of HR Florida. It's the first time we've had a man running the show in a very long time. So we're excited wow. for him. <laughs> and uh, you know, he, he's been a great leader already. I know we'll do great things. Because HR Florida has believed in succession planning for so long, the things that I put into place during my presidency are things that Chad will continue in his and things that Marty will continue in hers as the president-elect. And a lot of the things that were done during my time were things that Lynette put in place during her presidency. But because we've had these conversations over the years to say, we're going to take on this new initiative, we know that it's not going to die with our presidency. It will go on and continue. Um, We have this uh, saying that actually Marty's husband came up with called Helium Hand, where, you know, people start talking about a project and, and your hand just starts raising up and you're like, oh, me, so, I like that. Yeah, yeah I, I will continue to be very involved <laughs> in multiple ways. Um, so if you haven't heard already, Sherm has actually rolled out a new apprenticeship program uh, with mm-hmm. the Department of Education for HR professionals or upcoming HR professionals. And their goal is to have 800 apprentices 
by the year 2024. And they reached oh, wow. out to HR Florida as the gold standard of and, you know, helping to set the way with this so that we can really roll out this program big time in Florida and coming up with different networks and probably virtual for now for both the apprentices and the organizations that are hosting those apprenticeships. And um, there's a bunch of people on the task force. But as soon as this news came out, I'm like, yeah, pick me, pick me. I want to do this. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I love also it. Teaming with uh, TA Tech and doing a conference in May. It'll be a virtual event uh, specifically mm. about talent acquisition um, and the different uh, topics there. So I'll be presenting on COVID and recruiting in a new way and what we've learned, what we still need to learn and what does the future look like um, and a variety of other topics for that event. So there's still a lot going on. Uh, so for now, HR Florida is still my, my primary passion outside of work or in that personal professional space space. Um, I mean, they truly are some of my best friends and family. And, you know, I certainly stick around as long as they want me. After that, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Making millions a year as an Instagram influencer. That's what's going to happen. I Working mean, hey, 15 seconds a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's how yes, much they we make. Out, <laughs> we were out shopping yesterday and um, I was with my boyfriend and his youngest. And she's like, don't you have enough shoes? And I'm like, let me tell you something. As a lady, you will learn. You will never we'll have never enough have shoes. enough shoes. <laughs> we've we've all got something though. We've all got Ricky. You've got something. What's your something? What's my your something, something that you're passionate brother. about? Really? Barbecuing, man. That is that is my something right there. I spent all my weekends barbecuing in Greenland. I love it. You? It's cologne. I'm addicted to colognes. I am. I've got way too many colognes. It started small. It was like one or two things. And the next thing you know, when, okay, when, when you find yourself buying like a $300 bottle of cologne and you feel like an idiot for doing it, but then you, you, you smell what they're talking about for the first time, it used to be wine. Like wine used to be my thing. Like the red wine thing, that was my thing. But like, I don't drink that much anymore. I really don't. Like since COVID, I'm, I'm stuck by myself. So I get drunk and hate on me. So I just sit around and I smell myself now. And I'm like, wow, I smell better. So it's good. You know, I still shower. That still happens, but now it's the cologne thing too. Yeah, Weekly. we all, we all have a thing. We all have a thing. Hey, you know, people collect different things. I just like to collect clothes and shoes, and yeah. you know, knock on wood. Again, I'm very fortunate. I've pretty much been the same size for like 20 years. So a lot of the pieces that I have have been in the collection for a very long time. But nice. because it's such a regular rotation, they still look pretty fresh and new, and and keep their you know shape and. They're not breaking on me, so I'll all right. I, I I know you're not a doctor uh, or, or anything like that, but do feet sizes really change? Well, feet size, no. But if okay. you were to only have like ten but pairs of shoes, the ensemble, you're going to wear them out more regularly. Okay. Whereas if I only wear them maybe two or three times a year, they'll last a much longer time period for me. Makes sense. Makes mm -hmm. sense. I mean, when you said I'm the same size for twenty years, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's your feet. Like your feet aren't. Well, well I'm going to tell the dresses that are off the ground. Look at me digging in. Look at me digging in on that one. Hey, I got something for both of you. Hang on a second right here. Here it comes. It's time for Current Events. Current Events this week brought to you in part by the Shoe Fashionista <laughs> HD. You get to find her on Instagram after this and stay up to date. I'm telling you. That's right. I'm telling you. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Our first uh, our first piece here, we do have quite a few pieces for today. 
Our first piece is coming directly from Missouri. And it was a, uh, a very strong TikTok that was put out by one of our favorite employment labor attorneys, Paige Sparks. Give this a listen. Tell me what you think. And another thing, the adjuster for your workers' comp claim is not your friend. The adjuster's job is to save the company money. They don't care about you, and you are not their priority. I don't care what they say. Here's a question you need to ask yourself. Are you signing their check? Or is the company? Because that's who they're working for. It is extremely unethical for the adjusters to pretend to be your attorney, but sometimes they will be and they act like they're your best friend. So be really clear up front. If you're going to handle it yourself or if you get confused, send an email and say, are you my lawyer? Are you a lawyer? And then there's a paper trail because they're not allowed to lie to you. So workers' compensation advisement on behalf of Paige Sparks. Going around the room, what are your thoughts on that one right there? Ahead, Heather. Yeah. Uh, oh, Ricky, I thought you were up first. What are you doing? Oh, well, no, I mean, I, I have a lot to say about it. I don't want to take up Heather's time. Go ahead. So while that is the truth, you know, I, I think just like HR is there for both the employee and the employer and the workplace, um, the adjuster is there to they are working for the company. They are the ones that write the check. So I, that is truthful that she shared that. But if the adjuster is a ethical person doing their job and has the right support from the organization, they should be trying to make that employee whole again, not to give them gazillions of dollars for whatever might have happened to them, but to make them whole and complete so that they're able to move on with their lives. So spot on. So a page is, she's 100% correct, right? But I, I don't want people to get confused, right? Because I don't know of any adjuster that says, hey, I'm, I'm giving you legal advice. So here, here's what I'm going to do. When you're in a workers' comp situation, their job is to do exactly what Heather said, is to make you whole, not to pay you punitive damages. That's what a courtroom is for. That's what an attorney, which are the pages, is for. Um, so what, what we're looking for here, exactly how Heather said, if you have an adjuster that has the support of the organization and the sole purpose is to make sure the associate is made whole, they're going to be okay. Now, she's right. If, if, if you feel like they're, they're giving you some kind of weird advice and you feel like as an attorney, start that paper trail and get yourself an attorney because now you're going to get some punitive damages, which you're not going to get from the workers' comp piece, which, again, is to make you whole. thousand percent correct. Staying out in Missouri real quick for our next clip here. Paige uh, really didn't have a good weekend. She didn't. No, uh, no, no. She didn't have the best weekend. So let's uh, switch our HR hats and put on our compassionate friend hats for a moment as Paige tells us about her experiences recently on Tinder. Let me preface this by saying I've had a little bit of wine. If someone matches with you on a dating app and they make the match, you need to do the next step. Like, this is bullshit, okay? Like, don't invite me to start the chat. I started the chat. I matched with you. I said the first thing. Don't make me do it again. Like, come on. That's like Bush League shit, okay? Like, some effort would be nice. So Paige does listen to the program. We're a big fan of hers on TikTok. She's got a point there. When you're putting it, it all out there, you've got a great connection, and then something's failing. Talk to me. What do you think? We're friends of hers right now. Be gentle. <laughs> oh, I, I, I feel your pain, Paige. And um, as someone who was in the, the online dating world for a little bit, there's a lot of that that happens. And, you know, unfortunately, people 
will start way too many connections and then either lose interest or lose track of you or whatever. But, you know, try to narrow down the the number of connections that you're making, start a conversation, really try to learn about the person if that's what you're looking for. Tinder might not be the, the best platform if you are looking for a long-term connection, but that's just my personal opinion. I, I know lots of successful Tinder stories and Tinderellas and, and romance has happened and bloomed into some beautiful marriages, but people just remember we're all people just trying to look for love and, and find one another be truthful be honest communicate did, did, did you just say tinderella oh yes tinderella that yeah, that's... is awesome <laughs> thing so <laughs> it's a thing rick yes not, <laughs> ricky not not everyone has their elementary school crush stalk them later in life okay <laughs> that is true i know right? that was your <laughs> that is true that's that's your real story though I mean, like, that's what that happened happening. with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, so, <laughs> so coming from somebody who hasn't used online social media platforms for for dating, I do know Tinder has a specific uh, persona attached to it. But I've heard, I have heard of stories come out of it where people do get married. They have a great long lasting relationship. I just never heard of Tinderella. I'm gonna look that up. I'm gonna Don't. look that up. Don't look it up at work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever you do. Okay. <laughs> Hey, uh, previously on the program was uh, Brenda Coulter out of Ohio. You can find her on TikTok as well. This next piece comes from her, A Black Girl's Guide to Tarot. Feel free to lurk her out. She's got some Valentine's Valentine's Day love advisements (laughs) for us. True love might be unconditional. Healthy relationships are not. I mean, what are healthy boundaries other than conditions under which you get to choose, you get to decide whether or not someone is worthy to partake in your time, energy, and or attention. Loving someone does not condemn you to a lifetime of their bullshit. All it does is ensure no matter what happens, they still will hold a very special place in your heart. That doesn't mean they get to hold a very special place in your life. That's when people get twisted and get so very confused. You feel like you have to love someone so much that you will decide them no matter what. And let me tell you something. There's a such thing in this world called toxic loyalty. And that is the reason why it is unhealthy for you to be loyal to anyone else to your detriment. There is nothing wrong with you making a decision that there are things in your life that you will and will not tolerate. That's perfectly fine. It's actually very healthy. So just remember that the next time you're trying to decide whether or not the risk in a true love might be. And it's TikTok, so it cut her off. But she was basically saying, if the risk is worth the reward, mm-hmm. is how she wraps it up. Over to you. One of my past colleagues used to say, marriage is a decision that you make every single day. And I think that could be applied to any relationship. It doesn't have to be a marriage. But that's a decision you make every single day. Both parties of what am I willing to do? What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to do for that other person? And you have to make that decision on a regular basis to know what's okay for you and what is going to serve, support, and love that other person. Just just like negotiating with unions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice tie-in. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great tie-in there, JC. <laughs> I was I was setting it up for you to spike at home, Rick. That's all. Over to you. Well, no, uh, you caught me off guard with that one. But here's the thing. And 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 Heather said it perfectly. 
um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up in a Ricky way, right? Because to me, if you if you go out there to find that perfect relationship, you are setting yourself up for failure. The same thing with finding that perfect dream job. You're gonna have sometimes that you love your job, sometimes that you hate your job. But at the end of the day, you got to sit back and think: Is this where I want to be for the rest of either my career or my life? So mm -hmm. finding that true love is understanding I am okay and putting up with the good and the bad for the rest of my life. If you're that real with yourself, you're going to be okay. Otherwise, if you're trying to find that Prince Charming and put that glass slipper on and all this, all this fantasy crap, it's, it, it's, it's not going to work. Because you're not going to love that person 100% of the time. Stop playing me out. <laughs> Talking about toxic love. Talking about toxic love and, and people that don't always get along and you have to make good choices. OSHA recently issued updated COVID-19 guidance recommending that all employers adopt a formal COVID-19 prevention plan incorporating the following activities and elements. Conducting a hazard assessment relating to COVID-19 exposure. Identifying control measures to limit the spread of COVID-19, such as distancing masks, double masks, and maybe more masks in the future. Barriers, work from home, staggered shifts, etc. Adopting policies that encourage sick workers to stay home and not come into work. Communicating and training employees on the policies and procedures implemented in their native languages and implementing protections from retaliation for workers who raise COVID-19 related concerns and issues like having to wear six masks. Over to you. I'm suffocating. I'm done. I can't breathe. But you're protected from COVID. All right. So <laughs> you're good. But, but in that in that situation, is it then a reasonable accommodation for the employee to state, I have a very hard time talking on the phone, wearing two masks. I would like to stay home as I have been the past year. That, that's not a reasonable accommodation because there's no medical issue attached to it. Attached to medical, because that's just discomfort. I cannot Attached to medical breathe. issue to it. I can't oh. I can't breathe accordingly and communicate effectively to other humans through two masks on the telephone. Reasonable accommodation, right? I mean, it's a temporary issue, right? It's permanent. Permanent medical issue is what ADA kind of focuses on. I will have a permanent medical issue if I cannot breathe. <laughs> okay, now we're talking. I JC. will have a permanent medical talking. issue if I do not have health insurance by holding down this job to be able to talk on the phone wearing two masks. Can I just do it from home? It's it's to me is a reasonable accommodation, especially if you are a I don't know, working at a call center or somewhere where you where um, uh, being in front of somebody is necessary. So, yeah, that's a great accommodation. I just saw a story the other day. Um, somebody put on on um, uh, Instagram that now you drive up to a Chick-fil-A. There's nobody there. There's an iPad with a microphone and somebody's taking your order from their home. They're taking the order from their home, and then wow. you drive up, and they, yeah, I know. I saw that uh, just hey, last week. And uh, tell me your credit card number at the window right here, over the <laughs> tablet. What are the no, three actually, numbers on the back, right? No, here's the funny part. They So they encourage you to use the uh, the uh, Chick-fil-A app where you put money on it. There's no money changing hands, no credit card changing hands. Bitcoin. And just tap it, and NFC, boom, you're done. So It's all got to yeah. be Bitcoin. It's all got to be digital and virtual. Oh, my God. That's all, that's, that's all it's going to be. I don't know, Heather, what do you think? Uh, well, I think the, the key component there, as in most things in life, communication. 
and knowing what you are expecting from your employees and what the employees can expect from the organization and to be proactive with that communication of here's the protocols that we have in place. Here's how we're protecting you. Here's what we expect from you when you're in the office, out of the office and the safety measures that you should be taking. Uh, You know, in our organization, we have a four phase plan of bringing people back in. We're still in phase two right now, but those plans have been reviewed and executed and saying in each different department, each different division and the work that needs to be done. Here's what we've put into place and here's the safety check lines Mm. or checkpoints that will take place between now and then before we get back to the new normal, the next normal, whatever that looks like, whenever that looks like. Love the word. Your next current event right here. Johnson and Johnson has a new vaccine. It's going to be coming out soon. People are waiting for vaccines with more anticipation than a new Britney Spears album. At a time when (laughs) ongoing logistical challenges and emerging new variants of the coronavirus continue to threaten the global push for mass immunization against COVID-19, a new vaccine from Johnson and Johnson could provide critical aid. The vaccine, which is under review by the FDA for emergency use, is more effective against new variants than other vaccines and does not require special freezers or storage or double uh, shots and maybe may also last longer than three months. As some nurses are coming to find out once they receive their second dose of the existing COVID vaccine, we have a clip here from WBTW about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. The good news story about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which is very similar to the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, is that it's about 85% effective at preventing severe disease from COVID-19. Dr. Thacker says this vaccine is effective where it matters most. It helps prevent needing to be hospitalized, needing a ventilator, and ultimately prevents the loss of life. And to me, that that should be one of the, the biggest selling points for all of these vaccines is how they prevent us from becoming significantly harmed and how they might threaten our life. This vaccine is different than the other two because it uses a weakened virus that causes the common cold. It's created some hesitancy among people. My worry for, for the population that might be hesitant about vaccines is to hear that this is a virus that you're infecting me with to you know protect me against a different infection. But Dr. Thacker says several vaccines carry live viruses, but they don't have the ability to replicate throughout your body to harm you. Even though this vaccine differs from Moderna and Pfizer, Dr. Thacker says you should still get it. The more lanes of traffic that we offer, the more people we can get from point A to point B and be fully vaccinated. Now, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine will only require one dose, while Moderna and Pfizer's require two doses weeks apart. We still don't know when the FDA is scheduled to approve or deny the vaccine for emergency use. Ricardo Lewis, WSAV News 3. Over to you. I want to get to the point. I, I, I want to see... Later on this year, I want to see what kind of push employers are going to try to do, right? Um, I'm an avid cruiser. I live in Central Florida, and we I cruise quite a bit, and I'm itching to get back on the waters. And I saw something the other day that talks about that once the, the cruise industry decides to come back up, they are going to require vaccinations, uh, COVID-19 vaccinations. And I started thinking, what would happen if 
companies started to require that? What has Disney started to require that? What about if you needed that to hop on a plane? So I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I know from an HR perspective, that's going to be a headache and a half because it, it's there's going to be so many different um, reasonable accommodations that people are going to request, whether it's medical, religious, whatever the case may be, they are going to request that. And that's going to create a whole new level of work for HR people. I don't know. What do you think, Heather? Yeah, you're right. We can't require it um, because yeah. it's going to have so many exceptions to the rule. I, mm-hmm. I can tell you on a personal note, I'm most excited about the Johnson & Johnson because it is one shot. And I think that they much more streamlined way to get people vaccinated so that you're not coming in for an appointment and then having to come back in another 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, because trying to get everybody scheduled just for the first one is it, it, it's a nightmare in some areas <laughs> and, yeah. you know, long, long, long waiting list and everything else. And knowing that you have to get that second shot within a certain time period is really causing some scheduling constraints. Um, so if it's one shot and you're done and it sounds like it's a more effective option, I'm all for it. But yeah, it's going to be interesting for employers. Uh, we certainly encourage everyone to get the flu shot and, you know, the just to protect themselves against that. And we offer it um, at our workplace so that if you want to get it, you can go to our mm-hmm. employee health center or different uh, locations that we set up, but it's not required. Yep. And you certainly don't have to get it. It's just a benefit that we offer. So with a Johnson & Johnson version that doesn't require the extra cold storage and everything else, maybe that's something that we do in the future. Who knows? So watch. Watch what's going to happen, Heather. In about five years, in about five years, we're not going to have a pandemic, but these shots are going to be so streamlined. You're going to order them on Amazon. Mm-hmm. A, a drone is going to leave the Amazon <laughs> warehouse, go to your house, Shot you in the arm, then go back <laughs> into the warehouse. Watch that's orderly Publix, whatever it is, wherever their hub is, that's what's going to happen. I'm telling you, that's coming. Watch. So it sounds. And that's how the machines come up. It sounds horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Your next story is going to bring you all the way up to New York State here. After organizing to repeal the walking while trans ban, advocates in the state of New York and around the city are looking ahead to their next fight as New York State moves a step closer to decriminalizing sex work. Last week, Governor Andrew Cuomo signed into a law a bill that repeals the decades-old statute that advocates say disproportionately targets trans people who are simply walking or standing on the street. The legislation also automatically seals any previous arrest records under the statute. It is a beginning of a new era. And as they look forward to the future, they're looking to decriminalize sex work altogether in New York State. We're going, uh, we know we're going to win because we have a majority, said Candy. A 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Go Candy. A 2019 national poll of registered voters shows a majority of voters supporting decriminalized sex work in New York State. Although walking while trans was intended to target sex workers, its vagueness allowed police to harass trans people of color, according to advocates. According to the person reading clips from the story, they're conflating two separate issues. But I'll leave it at that. New York State is moving forward with trying to decriminalize sex work. Over to you. All right. Let me make sure I get this, JC. So you live in a state that sues 
business owners and they sue the government back and forth, back and forth to open. Yes. All while trying to decriminalize sex workers, right? Yes. I just, I just, I just want to make sure I completely decriminalize. I just make sure I completely get that. Yeah, okay. you, you put it perfectly in frame and scope. I <laughs> got it. All right. Uh, look, from from my perspective, right? It's what people do uh, outside of work, their per their personal lives, that's up to them, right? Don't hurt nobody else, right? It, it, it don't hurt people, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt nobody else. But if you want to do it, go right ahead. I just hate. I would hate to see this in 10 years. If this is a thing and it grows the way I think it's going to grow, next thing you know, we're going to have organizations that actually provide that with HR people. And I I, I don't know what kind of laws that's going to bring in we, from an HR perspective. We talked about that actually back in fall in regards to California's AB5 rule. Yep. If you're called the that's soldiers right. of poll, the, yeah, the, the unionized <laughs> entity of dancers in California attempting to further gain rights as as independent contractors under AB5 laws. So yes, it's it sounds out of the normal scope of a cubicle or office space, but these are real things happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh I you see how that would be interesting. Um funny note, about 2 years ago, I had a student in my class. Um I'm not going to say who the student was, but this person uh was the HR admin for a local sex shop here in uh, in Florida, and let me tell you the stories that I've heard Please don't. about that. <laughs> no, no, I don't no, want them. No, actually, it's no. not what you think. No, no, it's no. not what you think. Okay, uh, you would think there'd be a lot of sexual harassment complaints. Nope, you would think there'd be a lot of no. They from from what I have heard, um, in speaking to this person, um, the behavior is uh, so much better in comparison to that position somewhere else. Because that stigma's not there anymore. Everything's out in the open. Why, right? why can't we get that same attitude from, like, people at the DMV? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean right? come on. I mean, there's yeah. a training opportunity in the making. I don't... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I kind of took that way left. Heather, I, I, I don't know what your stance is about what New York is doing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, people joke or make reference to it's the the oldest profession there is so yeah. you know I, I think it's absolutely an hr topic so thank you for bringing it up today <laughs> <laughs> but you know i mean it, is it something that turns into the new gig economy and it's like the the uber or the lifts or yeah. you know food delivery services and you know if that's the case yes you would need hr and you would need a, a corporate structure and that would probably actually make it safer in a lot of ways my only concern about the story is if they decriminalize some of these things, would the sex workers have worse treatment um, if they're not in uh, the right environment um, yeah. or have the same protections that they might have now or, or be you know, forced into a whole trafficking issue? Yes. Um, so as yes. long as there was a way to protect them, hey, by all means, you know, if, if you're not infringing on the rights of other people, go forth. You just give me an idea. As soon as you mentioned, if they start to do that, like Uber or Lyft, let's create a service that mm -hmm. takes you somewhere, delivers your food, and provides that service. It's going to be called <laughs> Date. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's going to be the Date. There it is. I've done. Uh, I've heard you. I'm pitch New York. A, I've heard you pitch a lot of great ideas. Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting this whole George Costanza, the, yeah. the yes. sandwich. Yeah. And the sex. Yeah. 
All right. So so right now we are at that point in the show where we get to choose our own adventure. Either Ricky is going to read to us uh, clips from his Huffington Post news article sourced for the week, <laughs> or we are moving on to the Florida man stories. Uh, Heather, Ooh. the choice is yours. <laughs> mm, uh, <laughs> I, I do always enjoy a good Florida man or Florida person story. So let, let's go Florida stories. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's time for Florida man stories. Florida Man Stories this week are brought to you in part by Ricky's Huffington Post article. He will not read. Feel free to tweet that out at your convenience. It was quite the piece that you found. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, this one, though, is coming to us from the Orlando Sentinel, written by Garfield Hylton. Central Florida man accused of stealing engagement rings from one girlfriend to give another. Detectives are currently searching for a Central Florida man who authorities suspect stole engagement rings from a woman in Orange City and used them with a different woman in Orlando. The Volusia County Sheriff's Office said Joseph Davis is wanted on a felony charge of grand theft, according to the press release. Deputies charged him after the Orange City woman saw a photo on social media of Davis engaged to the other woman. The Orange City woman noticed the Orlando woman wore a similar wedding band and engagement ring. She told deputies both items and her grandmother's diamond ring were missing when she went to check in her jewelry box. The total value of the property is around $6,270.59 approximately, according to the sheriff's office. The Orange City woman says some of the items were returned after she confronted Davis and spoke to the Orlando woman. The Orlando woman also reported missing items as she talked to the Orange City woman. She told the (laughs) detectives a laptop and some of the jewelry went missing after Davis moved out of her apartment. So between Orange City and Orlando, there's a lot of jewelry spread about Florida. Both women (laughs) said they met Davis on OkCupid in 2015 and 2016, respectively. Neither knew his real name. Law enforcement agencies could not identify him. They had an alias, though, of Joe Brown. That was with one girlfriend and Marcus Brown with the other. One of the women said she remembered the name of a family member who lived in North Carolina. After visiting his sister, investigators discovered Davis is a convicted felon. He's out of state, according to the press release. Officials have previously arrested him for filing a false police report, domestic assault, and cocaine possession with intent to sell. Davis also has an active warrant in Oregon for a hit-and-run crash with injuries but no report of stolen jewelry. Authorities are urging anyone who sees or knows Davis to contact Crimp Stoppers of Northeast Florida. Once again, that's a quote, C-R-I-M-P Stoppers. of Northeast Florida. <laughs> Stop by OrlandoSentinel.com. Again, the author of the piece, Garfield Hylton, wrote that with intent. Wow. <laughs> Over to you. It, it, it's uh, every time I thought I hear the weirdest Florida man stories that actually make the Florida man a thing. A new one comes out that takes it to a new level. So essentially, he stole an engagement from one girlfriend to give it to another girlfriend. 
and an organization Crimp Stoppers is trying to figure out what's going on. That got it. Okay. I, I don't listen, know what to say. Yeah, to that. On, the, on the keyboard. No, no, no. It's a crimp. C R I M P. The P right. is all the way to the right side, like on your keyboard. And they're the not e, even close. Yeah, no, they're nowhere near each other. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. I'm like, eh, maybe it was a fun. No, no. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Heather, what would you do? What would you do if you are a hiring manager and you're trying to fill an ops manager position and that guy comes through the door? What will you do? And, and and this happens tomorrow, you and don't you just know. did this podcast You don't today. know it's that guy. He's got a different name. Well, oh, I'd really huh? like to know how he got some marriage license with all of these fake names and everything else. So that, that's <laughs> one of the many questions that I have here. Yeah. Um, we do background checks on everybody, so there we would go. have to verify that you are who you say you are before we even get to the I-9 process. And yeah. we have a lot of people disqualified for falsification of applications. So if you said you haven't had any arrest in the last five or 10 years and something pops, guess what? You're out. Um, you know, we, we are a second chance employer. We hire, you know, people with records for a lot of different positions as long as you tell us about it. And that um, issue from your past is not something that's going to be a direct <laughs> conflict with the job that we're putting you in. <laughs> No, there that's a go. very good thing, though. No, seriously, that's a big thing for employers to step up and and have that demeanor and tone. I I love that personally. That's it's very good. Everyone deserves that second chance. Absolutely, yeah. So you know, we we've all made mistakes. Some people get caught for them, or some are bigger mistakes <laughs> than others. So you know, just and back to communication. Be honest. <laughs> And remind them of the policy we have about not finding love in the office and in the love contract, all those things. Don't do that here. You got caught before. Don't do it here. By the way, Paige Sparks, apparently um, this OKCupid doesn't work neither. So stay away from that one as well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. We are at that time in the program where we are well over time. Oh, we are. Yeah. But we are at that time to go around the room for some final thoughts. Ricky Baez, you're first. So my final thoughts is it's I've been saying this quite a bit for the past couple of shows, but it still is pretty important. If you are a manager of people and you still do uh, conduct business with associates uh, via telecommuting and everybody's working from home, take the time to check in on them, not just for work. Take the time do use the H portion in HR and, and check on them, see how they're doing. Um, it's that will help you better understand what makes them tick. That would help them feel more at home and therefore reduce unwanted attrition. But it's just overall a really cool thing to do to make sure your associates has everything they need at a point where people just need to be more social than before. Heather, Heather? over to you. So since it is Valentine's Day and we've talked a lot about love, love is love is love. And that is self-love, taking care of yourself, love for your employees in the right fashion, wow. <laughs> and a person, professional. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about we're in HR, we provide resources for humans. So take care of your people, take care of yourself, take care of the world, and it will be a better place for all. With my final thoughts, I want to piggyback on that and just remind everyone those very important song lyrics that it must have been love, but it's over now. Get back to work. With that being said, <laughs> um, 2021 Space Coast HR Conference. It's going to be coming up April 21st, 2021 in Melbourne, Florida. Yours truly will be getting on the plane 
showing up down there in person and emceeing the event. The HR Talk podcast will be on site for the day. Oh, yeah. Recording with anyone that likes to stop by, as well as uh, facilitating things throughout the span of the event. Speakers will be uh, Beth Hannon, Janet Goldberg McGinnery, Jeff Shaw, Tracy Sponenberg, Michelle Tatum, Lewis Wilson, and possibly more. If you're looking for more details and information, stop by SpaceCoastHRConference.com, and I will definitely be seeing you in April. If you could, Heather, what are some of the best ways people could find you online if you want to be found? <laughs> I'm out there. So um, if you'd like to look at some great shoes, uh, Instagram is shoelove365. Um, I do not have 365 pairs of shoes yet, but, you know, I'm working on it. I'm <laughs> trying to post a different pair of okay. <laughs> And uh, on Twitter, at Heather Dario. Uh, so Heather and D-E-Y-R-I-E-U-X. Uh, that's a lot of the shoe posts, some HR posts, some food posts. And if you want to tune in for some handbag marinara, you can find us at handbagmarinara.com. Uh, we're also in the Apple uh, Podcast Store, Spotify, Libsyn, all of the places that you enjoy your podcast and online as Handbag Marinara. Hmm. Ricky, best ways people can find us, please. We are at ebias at biasco.com. We are everywhere on social media. Just look, just look up for the Screaming Face HR Talk podcast. Um, and also, you can download us via your favorite podcast streaming platform give us a like give us a subscribe let us know what you think we'd love to hear from you ladies and gentlemen it's been our pleasure to be here for you today on behalf of ricky Baez, the entire hr talk podcast team and our dear friend here hd it's been a pleasure having you on can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on and endure one hour, 52 minutes of torture with us. It's, it truly is. I mean, we learned a lot from you today, though, too. I mean, it was fun. It really was. Looking forward to doing it again. I'm JC. Ladies and gentlemen, drive safe. Have a good night. Oh, special uh, shout out to, to uh, associate producer Randy for helping us out. He's a dear friend of old associate producer Rob's. He helped source some articles for today. So thank you. Leftover Halloween candy can make really good Valentine's candy. <laughs> as long as the packaging doesn't give it away, yes. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? <laughs>